0: This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code ADULTHOOD at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Welcome to Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win it real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel. I think our generation has been taught by media and celebrities and movies that certain actions will just fix all of our problems. Like, if I learn yoga, I'll be a more centered, focused person. If I could just meet someone, I'll be a lot happier. And like the heroines of Wild and Eat, Pray, Love, if I travel, I'll find that elusive purpose, this quote-unquote myth of wanderlust is exactly what millennial writer Caroline Beaton discusses and the myth she debunked in her essay for her blog on carolinebeaton.com. She is a 24-year-old freelance writer in Denver. She writes regularly for the Huffington Post and Psychology Today, as well as several other publications, and she has just made a living from writing and freelancing. So I asked Caroline to join us today to talk about this myth of wanderlust and what she learned from a sort of failed travel experiment, but how that led to her building her own brand and becoming her own boss, which is something I'm always fascinated by. So welcome, Caroline. Thanks so much for the introduction, Sam. Hi. Hi. So like I told everyone and like I told you before, I'm just always impressed when someone who's 24, who's my age, has their life together enough to like set their own schedule, be their own boss. And, you know, you call yourself a millennial expert. You have this strong brand. And I'm just so impressed by that.
1: Well, first off, I'm impressed by you hosting a podcast. You guys (laughs) had it so together over RealSimple.com. So thank you for having me.
0: So I think that we should, I think that before we kind of get into that, I think we should talk about, I talked to everyone about the essay you wrote, The Myth of Wanderlust. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about, you know, what happened after you graduated college, where you went, what you did, and and kind of get into that story a bit.
1: So I graduated from Colorado College, which is a small liberal arts college in Colorado Springs in Colorado, and winning at C.C., which is Colorado College, is essentially going off into the world and saving gorillas, being Jane Goodall, or going to China and teaching small children. (laughs) And so I sort of thought that that was my path. Like, how do I graduate college and go do something meaningful with my life? And purpose for a liberal arts grad is often intertwined with travel. Right. And so I had a long-term boyfriend at the time. And he and I discussed options. And so first we thought about going to New Zealand because we're big outdoors people and we wanted to ski, and we thought that that was exotic and international. And it didn't really prove to be that practical. We could get work visas, but we couldn't actually get work is what we found out. And so we tried someplace a little bit closer to home and ended up in Vancouver, British Columbia. So we actually drove there in his hybrid from Colorado to Seattle and then to Vancouver, and we ended up staying there for about nine months. He was a account manager for a transportation company, and I was a receptionist. And it wasn't really all we'd hoped it would be. It would be, and that's something I write about in my essay. I think he and I thought that we would be frolicking around barefoot and hugging big trees and foraging for wild mushrooms. But what it was instead was a really dreary, rainy, dark nine to five time. And from that, I was miserable for a time, but I also learned so much about what I want in my life. I think we spent a lot of time trying to avoid, avoid, quarter-life crises. But actually, that quarter-life crisis was essential for me because I realized my values. And first and foremost, it's working on my own time, schedule, and location.
0: Before we get into what you learned, only because you said something really interesting that I just want to go back to, is for a liberal, liberal arts major, Finding purpose means travel like why did you think that? why did you think and where does that I mean because I've, I've thought that too that to find a purpose and to find a path, I would have to leave and I would have to and you know go overseas but why like why do you think that is? why do you think that you felt you needed to go travel or move somewhere surprising?
1: That's a great question. I think that a lot of it has to do with sort of a countercultural movement away from nine to five and from succeeding in a traditional sense, like being a financial analyst at Fidelity or something like that, Mm -hmm. which is wonderful and respectful in its own right. But I think especially among liberal arts students, they want to find a different definition of success, but they find themselves still wanting to define success in one way, as opposed to the multiple diverse ways that success can actually be defined. And so on campuses, it's sort of become become the new pinnacle of succeeding at life is traveling the world.
0: So did you have an idea of what this purpose would look like? Like, how would you know that you've found it? And these are big questions, but I think that a lot of it comes up when you're thinking of your five-year plan and finding a path and finding a, a motivation. Like, did you have an idea of what that wanted to be based on either your major or your destination?
1: Right, that's such a good question because you would think that I would know But in fact, I I don't think that I did know what purpose would look like, even if it had hit me on the face. Mm -hmm. I think that I wouldn't know if I had found it because I didn't actually know what I was looking for. So I was looking for a a tangible thing, which is travel, Mm checkmark. But in terms of what that actually looked like on a day-to-day basis and in terms of grander fulfillment, I don't think I really
0: knew and that's hard for all of us to admit that, like, we set out on a plan not really having a, a an idea of where it's going to go. And And after three months of trying out the plan, to say it's not working, I think, is really brave. And it's something that's really hard for, I know, me to do and a lot of friends of mine to do. Like, to admit that you thought this would work and you thought this would bring you clarity and, like, you know, the yoga just isn't doing it. Like, I'm still stressed. You know, I met someone and... I'm trying to make it work when it's not happening and I traveled and I feel the same. I think that's a brave thing to admit.
1: Absolutely. And actually that's something I write about in a recent psychology today article. It's called quarter life crises, five steps to stop floundering. And the first step is to detach from your default direction. And there's actually a term for lost people in the wilderness that do this. It's called route traveling Mm -hmm. and it's sticking to one course even though it's sort of obvious it's not working, like it's obvious that it's a dead end or a drainage or a ditch, but because we've set our sights on that, we want to stick to it and end up getting people even more lost sometimes in the wilderness killed. Fortunately, the stakes aren't quite
0: as high for millennials. So. Yeah, that's a really good analogy. And something else I wanted to ask you about was you you mentioned you got to get to Canada and it just wasn't what you thought it would be. And, and you were kind of miserable. And, and when I was reading your essay, something stuck out to me, something that we've talked about on the show before was you said, I did look cool. People liked my ginormous tree photos on Facebook. And the idea of social media not representing how we actually feel is something we actually just discussed in the last episode. So can you talk a little bit more about what it was like to get there and how it it felt to have your digital life and the life you were talking about to your friends and family differ from the life you were actually living every day?
1: I think, as I was saying about the account manager or financial analyst at Fidelity analogy, we look for tangible definers of success and one of the the vehicles that we use to define it is social media. Mm-hmm. And so I think that liberal arts students and really all college grads fall into the trap of defining their success based on their social media updates. I mean it sounds so silly and cliche, but it really is true. And I think people were liking away at my truck hugging a tree photos, mm-hmm. but but they didn't really know what that entailed because the social media part was just one facet of my whole experience. And so I, I do think that, that it's easy to say, but it's harder to get away from defining success in terms of one status
0: update. So this episode is all about building your personal brand and what do you need to build a personal brand? You need a good looking website. You need a professional looking website. Now I'm still learning how to be an adult and something I still don't know how to do is code a site. Luckily, Squarespace makes it super easy. Their sites look professional, they look beautiful, and no one would ever know that you didn't know how to do it all by yourself. The sites don't require any coding. And any skill level can use them. The tools are all really intuitive and easy to use. And if you sign up for a year, you get a free domain. That's professional. You can start your free trial site today at squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code REAL SIMPLE to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So you mentioned that And I completely agree with you that people define their success by likes or comments or, you know, how many people, you know, favorite a tweet or something like that. And I've been very guilty of feeling validated by that, as I'm sure everyone has. Mm -hmm. So what exactly when you say you felt miserable, I don't mean to make you relive like this time that you weren't having a good time. But what when you say you were kind of miserable in this and I feel like where this myth of wanderlust came from, like, what did that feel like? Like, how did you realize that travel wasn't? wasn't changing things for you and and what made you decide to move back home to Colorado?
1: I realized that travel wasn't doing it for me when I wasn't actually doing anything that I thought I was going to be doing while I was traveling. Like I gave the hugging trees examples, but maybe a more practical example was hiking all the time or skiing Mm -hmm. all the time or meeting diverse cultures and immersing myself in a, a new lifestyle. But instead, what I was doing is working at 9 to 5. So I was waking up at seven, ten every single day and then writing for an hour and then taking the light rail to work and working for nine hours straight. And that's what informed my revelation that I write about in my essay, which is that it's all the real world. And I think Possibly, if I had been immersed in the Maasai culture in Africa, it, my lifestyle would have been different. I think that's probable. But we need to look at what we actually want our lives to look like every day, and I- and I wasn't I wasn't looking at that. I was just looking at how things looked on the surface.
0: And I think it's so interesting that you you traveled looking for a different path and looking to get out of the box and you ended up at a 9 to 5 job. Like I just I think that's kind of ironic in a lot of ways. It is. It is. It's like I couldn't escape it.
1: But the reason I couldn't escape it is because I wasn't
0: searching for the right markers. What do you mean by markers?
1: Well, So this, this gets into more how I eventually got out, Mm -hmm. but, but the markers of my life in Vancouver were live with boyfriend in foreign country, do yoga, eat organic food. And what my markers actually should have been is what do I love doing every day? How do I want to make my schedule? Who do I want to work for? What are my values?
0: And those are really tough questions to answer. Like, I'm not even sure that I have the answers to those. And I went, you know, right to the 9 to f- 10 to 6 job, the desk job. So I, I'm like we talked about a little bit at the beginning. And what I'd like to also talk to you about is how did you make the transition from that life in Canada to building your own brand and be- and building your own job? How did you answer those questions for yourself at what I consider still a pretty young age?
1: So first, I had to admit that I was lost.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's hard. And
1: I remember really distinctly, actually, there was a park by my my apartment in Vancouver. And I just sat out there and was like, I have no idea what I'm doing <laughs> and why I'm here.
0: <laughs> and that is the worst feeling ever. That is just like... Oh, it's the worst. When you, and I sometimes, I have that feeling like once a month or so. And it just like, it really hits you where it hurts. Yes. <laughs>
1: yes. But actually, even worse than that feeling, which I agree, I hate, is avoiding that feeling. Mm-hmm. So when we avoid that feeling, we route travel and we just put our nose to the grindstone and we don't look up and realize that we're going in entirely the wrong direction. And that ultimately leads to midlife crises and quarter life crises and more misery. So I think the first step is just realizing you're
0: lost, even though it's a sad bad feeling. (laughs) Right. So you made that realization? Yes. And you headed back home?
1: Well, I think that acknowledging your loss is really just the first step to getting found. It's not like once you realize that you don't know where you are, you suddenly know where you are. You just know that you don't know where you are and you need to find a map out. Yes. So I think the second step, which is what I did, is not what most millennials want to do. And actually not what we're told to do, which is stay put. So instead of realizing I was lost and just being like, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go back home, I stayed put and I sketched and I figured out exactly what I wanted my life to look like. And I did that in a lot of specific ways that I would actually like to share because I think that those specific details can be helpful to people. Sure, let's hear them. One thing I did is I got a sketchbook. And I'm, I'm kind of an artist, but not not really. I usually just use my sketchbook to write out ideas or to sketch random faces or doodle. But just having a, a kind of diary or journal, if you will, to write down all of my, my thoughts and instincts was really important. And there's something that um, a psychologist named Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi talks about in his book, Creativity. It's that. We are either open, in in which case we need to be receptive to information, or we're closed. And what that means is, is either we need to look up and figure out what we like to do or what we're interested in, what we're passionate about, or we're closed. And that's not a bad thing. That's after we've realized what we're passionate about. But we shouldn't close down before we know what we actually want to do. So sketching just gave me an opportunity to write down what interested me. I wrote down quotes and things from books and just random things I thought about. And I started to see a trend in my sketchbook, which is that I loved to understand and learn about people. And I wanted to help them get unlost. Mm -hmm. And I just like to study the psychology of people and write about it. And after pages and pages of this trend, which wasn't really at all conscious to begin with, I started to see more of my, my purpose and what I really wanted to do. And then after I'd sketched that out and created an actual vision board where I, mm-hmm. I um, printed out like pictures of, of things that I wanted to be doing with my life, only then was I able to actually make a game plan out.
0: And is that when you decided that you really wanted to become a writer and and kind of like what you said, kind of delve into like the millennial mind in a lot of ways, and it's the millennial experience?
1: Yes, exactly. And so once I decided to do that, then it was actually pretty easy to create an action plan. I knew that I needed to go home, so I got a part-time job as a marketing coordinator for a great company called Boxy Chai, and I did marketing for them, which was instrumental in me creating my own personal brand because they have such a well-defined one. So I was able to learn from them as sort of an apprentice in marketing. And then I became an intern at a online magazine called elephant journal and eventually Mm -hmm. became an editor. And so the combination of me being an editor and a writer and a marketer and all on the side of this entire time I was writing for external publications, I was able to create my own brand and eventually which is what you were referring to in the beginning of this phone call, I was able to be my own boss and actually become self-employed.
0: Now, it's funny that you say that this was the easy part because to me – Building a brand like that, getting a new job, deciding that you, you know, maintaining multiple different relationships with publications. Like I'm I'm get I'm like get breaking out in hives thinking about like, how would I juggle all of those things at once? I'm like one job is plenty for me. So, I mean, have you seen any challenges in developing that kind of free form schedule and 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 balancing all of that? I could never do it. (laughs)
1: Well, yes, absolutely. And that's actually something I write about. In my most recent article for Forbes called How I Became My Own Boss by Age 25, and the number one thing that I advise to everyone is to pick one side hustle. So my side hustle was always writing. I was never doing anything else except when I was, and that's when I was failing at everything. Mm -hmm. And so just picking one thing to do on the side will allow you to – your intention will still be split between two things, but it won't be – split between a million things. So you won't be multitasking.
0: How long did you work in the marketing position while you developed this side hustle? I've never heard. I've never used that. But I like it. Side hustle. <laughs> oh, side hustle. Oh, yeah. It's all the rage these days. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to, like, figure out how to use that more often. But how long were you developing this while at, a, while at a regular job, full-time job?
1: Well, okay. So I'm kind of queen of side hustles. And here's what I did. I went part-time at my marketing position. I was at 25 hours a week. And then in the other part of my time, that's when I became an intern at Elephant Journal, the online magazine that I ultimately became an editor for. So my side hustle then was being an editor. And then once I became a full-time editor, within like probably four or five months, I cut down to 35 hours a week. And now I'm at 15, by the way. And in that time... I developed
0: my own side hustle,
1: which was working for my brand and website.
0: And do you ever like struggle with, you know, you develop a brand at an age where like I feel like we're still learning about ourselves and we're still learning and everything's changing so fast and, you know, we're kind of young. Do you ever worry that like you've developed a brand and and you yourself still have many changes, you know, like you're still going to change and maybe your interests will change?
1: Absolutely. I think that's probably one of my biggest fears and a microcosm of a larger fear that many millennials have, which is fear of better options or fear of missing out Mm -hmm. or fear of cornering yourself into one niche and not being able to get out. Totally. But what I realized in listening to a ton of podcasts and two of my favorite are Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income podcast and John Lee Dumas's Entrepreneur on Fire, is that the riches are in the niches. But not only that, <laughs> the niches are where you start to find your own voice and become valued for your voice and opinion and expertise. And then once you've done that, I think it is possible to expand out. And we see that in a lot of instances, like Oprah or Marie Forleo, where they start with a really specific niche, and then they become larger media personalities or writers. But you really do have to pick one thing or you won't pick anything and you'll just be sort of staring at the world, gazing and not doing anything.
0: That makes total sense to me. Um, So we established that maybe the travel didn't work out like you wanted and like we all think it will. But could you just kind of, to, to bring this conversation full circle, what is the one thing you think you did learn from moving to Canada that was really important in getting you to where you are today? Oof. Because there were
1: so many. Yeah. But I think the one thing, and this is kind of cheating because it's many things, is I learned what I valued by process of elimination. Sure. And I eliminated the nine to five from my life forever. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll never go back. And and that experience is what keeps me motivated to to remain my own boss and to grow my own brand.
0: That's awesome. Well, Caroline, it's been great speaking to you. I can't believe you're only a year older than me because I feel like you're so many years, like, wiser and older than me. But it definitely gives me encouragement that you're so confident and, and you've got such great stuff going on. People can visit your website carolinebeaton.com Beaton, to see some of your writing. Did I get that right? Yep, you got it. Well, great. Well, thank you again for joining us today. I really appreciate your insight and good luck with everything.
1: Thanks so much, Sam, for your wise probing question. Have a great day. <laughs> Thanks.
0: Again, that was freelance writer and millennial expert Caroline Beaton with us today. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Adulthood Made Easy. If you have questions or topics you'd like me to cover in the future, just tweet them to me at Sam Zabel and I'll add them to my list. And if you're enjoying the show, please review and subscribe on iTunes. I'd like to thank our engineer Kristen Meinzer and our producer Tim Einenkel don't forget to grab a copy of the book that has all the answers, The Real Simple Guide to Real Life, which you can get wherever books are sold. I'm Sam Zabel, and I'll see you next time.